You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. My name is Angie. We are continuing a discussion on discipleship, and today we're talking about the cost. And in the studio with me is Mark Bird with Revive Ohio. Hello again. Hey, Angie. And we are ready to go, Mark. Listen, the cost. You and I have had a lot of conversation offline about the cost of discipleship. And I think it's important for people to know, once you start wading out in the water, it can get deep. And it can get messy. But it's so rewarding. I and think it we, can be dirty. I think we can both grow through it. We can. So let's definitely start in with some scripture. Well, that's the cool part, Angie, because Jesus actually taught us about there being a cost to discipleship. So it wasn't like hidden agenda or anything like that. Like he came right out and he taught about it. And today we're going to look at a couple different passages in Luke where Jesus actually talked about it. And if you have a study Bible with subheadings, okay, it'll say true cost, cost of, of discipleship. Being a disciple. Right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, the first one we're going to is in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 25. And great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Just let that sink in for a second. Not really what you hear being preached a lot in church. These days? Yeah, put everybody else aside and follow Christ. And surely everybody says, well, that really can't be what he meant. No, it can't be what he meant. He doesn't want you to leave your spouse and leave your children. But he goes on in verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Okay, so he's starting to talk about discipleship, but starting to talk about cost. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? least after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So it's talking about counting costs. Mm. And so does Jesus want us to be disciples first? Yeah, of course he does. And then secondly, does he want us to be disciple makers? Yes. That's what he left us with, right? And yet he's saying here, now this will cost you. Yes, it's going to cost you a lot. So it's not so much about actually hating your mother, father, brother, sister. It's about making the choice to say Jesus is first. Yeah. So when a rubber meets the road, we have to choose Jesus first. Right. And it goes back to me, it goes back to... As God was giving Moses the Ten Commandments, the first thing he says is, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He laid the foundation, and literally, I believe this is what Jesus is kind of reminding us of, is, listen, I'm a jealous God, and I want your full attention. Like, I want your devotion, right? And listen, I don't want anybody else to be put before me. 
And of course, you know the greatest commandment, right? Love God and love your neighbor. And so putting God first in all things, over and above those that are most dear and precious to you, your mother and father, he doesn't literally mean you should hate them, but he is literally saying you should not put them before me. Yeah, it's really down to a heart issue. Yeah, it's a prioritization list, right? Mm, Yes. That's really what it amounts to. And so what Jesus is saying is line up with that and listen, here's how this will go. If you do not deny yourself, humble yourself and follow me, take up your cross. Well, taking up a cross is something that is painful. It's a sacrifice. It's a decision because you understand the cost of carrying a cross. Yeah, we we watched it with Christ. Right. And he carried that cross on our behalf. But what Mm -hmm. he's really saying here is there's a cost associated with this. Yes. I think basically you can sum it up like this, Angie. It isn't going to be a rose garden. Discipleship is going to cost you. It's Mm. going to cost you. And here's what I like to promise pastors when I come into a new community Uh, And I have this question asked of me a lot. They say, okay, like, what's this going to cost me? (laughs) And I say, literally, monetarily, it's not going to cost you anything, per se, to partner with us in your community, but it will actually cost you your life. Ooh. And, you know, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, and people laugh about that, but I said, honestly, I'm serious, right? I can tell you a story about a man that I met, and uh, he was not a pastor, and through the process, he came to me at the end of the week and said, uh, I believe God's calling me into pastoral ministry. And I promised him many times during the process, this will cost you your life. He understands fully now what I mean. And so that's what I believe Jesus is saying. And so let me skip over to Luke chapter 9 and just share another little passage with you that is also subtitled, The True Cost of Discipleship. Just a couple of verses in Luke 9, verses 61 and 62. And another said also, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, prioritization. Jesus is saying to his disciples here, listen, once you start following me, you got to keep your hand to the plow. Because you remember uh, that gal named Lot's wife, who we don't know her name, (laughs) right? And she looked back and what happened to her? She turned into a pillar of salt. She did. Jesus isn't saying that we'll all turn into a pillar of salt. However, he's telling us to keep our eyes fixed on him. And the only way to really, truly disciple somebody else, Angie, as you've experienced and I've experienced, is for us to keep our eyes on Jesus, keep our eyes on the prize, and then us telling our disciples the same thing. But, you know, one of the things that is the biggest cost that I'm seeing so far is not only getting involved in somebody else's mess, because life is messy, but it is like a reflection. It's like a refining fire for Ooh. us, don't you think? Because oh, we have to examine ourselves. And I didn't expect that part. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's so true. I thought I would just share my wisdom. But no, it's challenging my thought process. It's challenging the way I believe in things. 
it's just stretching me in the way God moves and how I need to move in tandem with him. Oh, there you go. These are all the things that are growing pains, and they don't always feel so good for the disciple maker. Right. And I hope I'm not scaring anybody, because it's so worth it to watch somebody's life grow. Yes. And their faith grow. But it does mean you're going to get examined as well, because there is a really hot refining fire (laughs) in the midst of all that. Yeah, there is. And it will, it will refine you. And I'm reminded when uh, I've been on several overseas mission trips, short-term ones, and I know by experience, these people that have gone with me on the team, and it's like, everybody's excited. They're going to serve. They're going to help. They're going with really good mindsets, right? Like I'm going to go bless these people in this other nation, whatever it is. Right. But what I've found, Angie, is the people that get blessed are the people going to give. They become the most changed. Yes. Amen. Because it's exactly what you're talking about. It's I'm going there to disciple, per se, quote unquote, but yet in the same process, God is refining me. God is refining us. God is refining the discipler. Oh, yeah. Amen. And so can we talk a little bit about getting into the mess? I <laughs> think about the muck in the mire, but it's not the same kind of muck in the mire I lived in before Christ. I think in our society, we don't like to get into other people's messes. We're like, hey, how are you? And people go, we're fine. Because we're not honest. Right. We don't say, listen, I could really use some prayer today. Yeah. Because if you said that to somebody, they would stop in their tracks and they wouldn't know what to do next. True. Because we don't get into people's mess. We don't want to get involved because it'll be tough on us. We don't want to open up a can of worms. We don't think we're qualified. I mean, it can get ugly. Yeah. Have you ever greeted anyone at the front door of any church? As if you've greeted somebody at the front door and you said, hey, how you doing? Have you ever had somebody say, terrible? I have. I know. And it throws you for a loop, right? It does. Right. Absolutely. Because they're being honest. And most of the time, we're not being honest with our own brothers and sisters. Yeah, we're just saying we're fine. Yeah, yeah. we're great. Yeah, thanks. You know, so, and that's it. Yeah. So sometimes I, I say it this way, not necessarily physically, but when I say, if you don't have dirt and grime under your fingernails, mm. per se, right? Bloody knees even. Right. <laughs> then you <laughs> might not be doing discipleship, right? Well, one of the things that we talked about was that you really need to love the person that you want to disciple. And with that opening of your heart towards that person, it can get really painful for the disciple maker because you want so badly for them to see their future. And, right. and you know, we can almost see what God's doing in their life and where they're headed. And yet they're not getting there. They're not doing the work that it takes or they're, they're going off on their own, whatever it is. Right. It can be a million different things. But we want so bad for them to get there. And when they're not moving at the pace that we think that they should move <laughs> at, then it gets hard. Or in like, in my case, it's, I'm, I'm watching this person going through growing pains and I'm watching them cry and really be in pain at their own personal growth. And that makes me hurt. Right. And I don't need anybody else's grief on my life, but that's what I stepped into. Now I'm not owning it. That's the difference. Right. I want people to understand that when you are a disciple maker, it doesn't mean you need to own people's problems. You don't take them home. It's it's like you do your work at work and then you go home. But there you go. But you have to be emotionally invested in it while you're with them. But then it's their issue to work through. It's their life. 
I like to say it, it's more like we're coaching them. Oh, that's good. We're not making them do anything. Right. It's not our job to make them do anything. We're just gently guiding them. That's really good, Angie. It's kind of like when you teach your kids how to ride a bicycle. The kid has to pedal. Right. We're just guiding them. But eventually, they go. And usually... In the process, they fall down and skin their knees. And then you feel bad for them. Right. And you hug them and you say, I'm so sorry, yep. you're hurt. And it's exactly right. It's discipleship is riding a bicycle for the first time. That's good. There you go. And what our job is, encouraging them to get back on the bike, pedal again. Yes. Do this again, right? Get and up, I, try it again. I think about the parent who has to run next to the bicycle. And sometimes <laughs> I feel like that as a disciple maker. That's good. I feel like I'm exhausted emotionally. I'm exhausted from running this race. But again, watching that person get it and move to the next level. And he just, ah, oh, it's so rewarding. And it and, feels like you're carrying the cross, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I also know what it's been doing for me. And I've seen my growth increase so much. Like I said before, because I've been challenged more than I've ever been challenged. Right. And I didn't expect that, but I'm glad of it because I feel like I have more to offer to God now. Yeah. And it brings back to my mind, Matthew 22, again, the greatest commandment. So love God and love your neighbor. And it says they're like this. If you can get these two things down, then you got it. And I always think about this, Angie, you will fulfill loving God by loving your neighbor. Mm. And that's what it is. Discipleship, it's, it's a fancy word. Doing life with, however you want to phrase that, Discipleship, I think, is a churchy word, honestly. It is, yeah. But when it says, love your neighbor, that, to me, exposes a little bit more raw. And how yes. do you love your neighbor? It's in everything we do during the day. I feel like when we put that label of discipleship on it, then we're making it sound like it's a class right. or it's a meeting. But when you go out and you meet that person at the restaurant for just having coffee, or maybe it's even the waitress that you only have a few minutes with, yeah. there's an opportunity to disciple. It's just that there's some people who will come back week after week <laughs> yeah. and be discipled. That's right. But we have to do it. We have to make it part of our life. It's just like missions. This is all exactly the same thing. We call it missions. We call it evangelism. We call it discipleship. All it is, is doing life together. It really is. And pointing them to Christ. And I'm reminded, recently we were speaking to a waitress in a restaurant, and uh, we asked her, hey, how can I pray for you? And literally she stopped and she said, let me get my list. She literally said that. That was her response. Well, let me get my list. And she said, is that okay? <laughs> right? Take a picture of that list and send it to me. Exactly. <laughs> it was awesome. And so I loved it because that was just her natural response, natural reaction to it. And we didn't say, hey, how can I disciple you? You know, see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, it's a very churchy How word. How can I love on you? How can I pray for you? Yes, because praying for people is love. It is, and it is discipleship too. So yes. I guess if we wrap this thing up today, Angie, I want the people listening to think of discipleship not as this word that's multiple syllables, and I really, I don't know, I, I can't stand on a hillside and yell down at a whole bunch of people standing around, and you don't have to. Right. Discipleship is loving on your neighbor, whoever that is. And in that very moment, right. not letting any opportunities go by. That's it. All right. Well, this has been a great discussion. Let's go ahead and move into our testimony. 
the reason that I'm really excited about this is because this is a gentleman that I'm uh, being joined with here today on the phone, Micah Level from Springfield, Ohio. Micah, welcome to the program. Hey, Mark. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it and great to be on here with you. The really super cool part of this is uh, I just really literally met Micah physically just a couple of weeks ago, but we had known each other through a lot of mutual friends, but we finally got together and he started sharing his heart and man, what a testimony. And he can truly speak to the topic that we're hitting hard today. And that is the true cost of discipleship. You know, Michael, when you hear that phrase, the true cost of discipleship, man, what, what comes to your mind right away? Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. There's so many things that come to my mind. I mean, one of the first things is Matthew 16, 24, where Jesus literally said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So I, I really think about the cost of discipleship right away for me. It, it speaks of conforming to the likeness of Jesus. Mm. So it's an exchange of my life for his life. That's where he says you must deny yourself. So it's a laying down of everything that entails who I am, my life, my makeup, what I think matters. And I lay it all down at his feet to pick up his life and what matters to him. Really is an exchange, and it costs everything, but the reward is amazing. It is. And I like to say it like this, you know, the, the rewards are out of this world, aren't they, brother? <laughs> so, oh, man, they are. Yeah, because we gain him. We gain Jesus. You know, how amazing to gain Jesus. But it does cost us our entire life. We lay down everything, even our selfishness, our, you know, our pride. These are big ones that get in the way, but we lay them down. We lay down our life in exchange for his life, which is an awesome exchange. Yeah, and really that's what Jesus is saying, that, listen, this is what's going to have to happen if you decide to follow me, and that's what I hear you saying. I also want to ask you about this, Micah, because I know you're doing this. In our conversation yeah. recently, you shared a little bit about this, and I know you're doing this, actually. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ, but also at the same time, you're helping others become disciples of yeah. Jesus Christ as well. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, man, it's definitely a journey. It's a life-on-life -life journey where, you know, ultimately each and every one of us, no matter who we are, if we're, you know, pastors, if we're in leadership in the church, whatever our, our you know, standing is in life, each and every one of us, when we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to being a disciple of Jesus, a learner, a lifelong learner. So for me, like myself personally, I am a disciple of Jesus. Like first and foremost, I'm a learner. I'm, I'm following Jesus. I'm following and practicing the way and the lifestyle that he has called us to me to walk in, for us to walk in. And then on the way, it's like we're modeling and we're, we're inviting others into that discipleship journey of following Jesus. So something I think about is like, is we're helping people along the way, which we do, there's different people that we meet with on a weekly, these different, you know, young guys or all kinds of random people that, you know, from whether new believers or people that have been walking with the Lord that maybe just never experienced the discipleship process. You know, what I think about it with this context is like, I'm just helping them walk along on their journey to follow Jesus. So we're not making a following unto ourselves, but we're helping create more followers unto Jesus. So it's that, it's that same journey where it's like maybe we're a little farther along in the journey or maybe we all have different stages of our growth. But at the end of the day, 
it's a nice rallying point for each and every one of us, no matter who we are, that we're all disciples of Jesus, and we can help each other out on that journey to grow farther into hearing the voice of God and really being led by Him as our shepherd, which is just awesome. It's an, it's rewarding, but it's also very messy. Like It's just, you know, it, it's a messy process because it's life on life. It's messy because it's literally, there's no necessarily perfect framework for it because you have to get into each other's life. It goes beyond just a program, but really determining to walk together and you and processing the things in life, processing the stuff that comes up is you're really just learning to follow Jesus. So there's no necessarily set manual or framework for it other than just being led by the Holy Spirit and helping other people go on that journey. Yeah, that's right on the money, Micah. And, you know, I think about this, too, because I know personally, like, this is how it is for you and your wife, because you guys are on this journey together. Your entire family is walking this thing out. But here's the thing. You don't put on a discipleship hat for a few hours a day. And then wear a different hat yeah, for yeah. like it's a it's it's a full on right like it is a, yeah, lifestyle. It's a lifestyle yeah and yeah can you, and we have an open door policy in our home so it's like we have people constantly coming in and out of our house sometimes it's like literally going fishing with somebody or going to the grocery store with somebody or letting them come in our home and see the way we parent see the way that we do our marriage. And, and we, have, we have people that we're discipling that, you know, they've seen my wife and I fight. They've seen us have arguments. They've seen, you know, where I've lost, not been patient with my kids, but it's all stuff that basically they're invited into the mess of life. Like this is really the nitty gritty of following Jesus. It costs so much, yeah. but it's also, it's also kind of like removing the glitz and glamour of Christianity. Like, you know, this isn't just the highlight reel of Christianity. It isn't just that you get to see my life. Like you're saying at a, you know, cookie cutter discipleship meeting, but it's <laughs> right. like you see every aspect of our life and it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, <laughs> yeah. but we're on the journey of following Jesus, you know? That's it. And, you know, I, I think about the actual disciples that walked physically with Jesus on earth too. And, uh, you know, just the few little peaks we get to see into their lives, you know that they weren't absolutely perfect either. And and so they were real yeah. and they were doing life. They were learning to do life with the Lord, like walking right there Come with on. him. And, and, and you know, what, what you're experiencing is just that, like what I hear you saying, you're not trying to hide anything. You're not trying to put on this fake smile or whatever, but this is it, man. Yeah. If you're going to drop over, you know, you're drop over at your house. I mean, if you're going to drop over, man, you're going to see us walking this out and living this out, this discipleship life. And listen, like you said, it's going to be life on life. So when you have that, yeah. there's friction, right? When you rub two it's sticks true, together, yeah. yeah, there's going to be friction. Yeah. And you know what? For the biggest part, like being real and honest and showing people that that's what the Lord is looking for. He already knows our frailties. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's a few different things. You know, the the original disciples, Matthew 4, where Jesus first calls them, and he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So the very first thing is follow him. Yeah. So the the invitation to, you know, say yes to Jesus isn't an invitation to even become a member of something or, you know, not, not, you know, purely in itself. Now, these are great. This is so needed. But it's not even an invitation just to, like, attend a service. Uh, or attend a meeting. It's literally a call to follow him. Wow. Let him be the master and the Lord of your life. Let him be the king of your life. So no, you no longer have 
in a sense, you no longer have ownership. He says, follow me and I will make you. And then, you know, it says Fisher's men, but follow me and I will make you. So there's no self-made man in the kingdom of God. There's follow Jesus and he will make you. He will make you into his image and into his likeness. And it says that in that passage in Matthew 4, it says that immediately this, the disciples left their nets and their boats and they followed him. So there is a call of letting go and of laying down, you know, they, their very profession, the very thing that they were, you know, in their ambition and their pursuit, their business, they let go of the nets and they let go of their boats to follow Jesus. So there's always an exchange of something being laid down of submission and surrender in that exchange of saying yes to being a disciple of Jesus. I could think about Mary of Bethany, another original disciple. Mary of Bethany, she's famous for breaking the alabaster jar right. at the feet of Jesus. And she, you know, wastes this massive, costly thing at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, wherever his gospel is preached, be spoken of her and what she did. And I used to think that, you know, in my earlier beginning walk with Christ, I used to think that the alabaster jar was like a picture of my praise. That, you know, in a service, like if I really worship hard, it's like I break this alabaster jar before Jesus. Right. And then I realized as time's gone on, it's like, you know, he is the alabaster jar that he's looking for is your very life. Right. Broken out his feet. Everything, yeah. all yeah. of it, your finances, every part of us laid at the feet of Jesus for him to do with us as he pleases. Yeah, I like that. You use the word make. And we've been looking at that here recently uh, in the Great Commission, Matthew 20, 19. He said, go therefore and make disciples. That's what Jesus himself did. That's what you said. Jesus made disciples out of those guys. And that's what he's asking us to do. Hey, go and make disciples. What does it mean to make? You make something, you bring the ingredients together, right, man, which is all the ingredients of life, the ups and the downs. And I love how you put it, because I use that same phrase, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all a part of this mess. It's all a part of the mix. It's all a part of the mess. But it is truly laying your life down and letting Jesus pick it up. That's good. Amen. Yeah. Those components of submission, surrender, and really embracing suffering. I think of, you know, submission is just submitting to God. And a big part of that is obeying his word. Mm. So, you know, John 8, it talks about, if you continue in my word, then you will truly be my disciple. Amen. So, and then it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So a lot of times we quote that second passage, let's know the truth and we'll be set free. But we can't know the truth if we don't continue in his word. That's it. So a big mark of being a disciple is submitting to the word of God and actually letting his word potter us instead of the world pottering us. Amen. And then you got surrender, you know, which which is that humbling ourselves, dying to self, which is for me it's really laying our will on the altar of his will. So he says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon yourself and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Amen. And you will find rest for your soul. So there's this thing of taking upon our shoulder to the yoke of Christ, which his yoke is humility. It's that surrender. He lived such a surrendered life to the Father. Yep. He said, whatever, I only do what I see my Father doing. So as we live in that place of surrender, a big part of being a disciple is that not only is it going to produce a passion and an obsession for the Word of God, it's going to produce the humility and the meekness of Christ. Like, the humility is a mark of discipleship. And then lastly, it's that suffering where, you know, Romans 8, Paul said that if we suffer with him, then we will also be glorified with him. Amen. So there's that aspect of that call of the, the disciple of, 
you know, guys, we have to not only live a submitted life to God as our Lord and our King, not only do we surrender to Him in our will and so ego-driven in our, in our own nature, we can be so driven to rule by self, but we surrender to let Him guide us, that's humility, and then the suffering of, you know what, we're going to endure trials and hardship because we know it's going to produce a greater glory in us. It's going to produce Jesus in us. Amen. That's what we desire. So, Micah, just uh, as we wrap this thing up a little bit, let me hear you just sort of share what have you experienced as cost? Because you're right on the money with the suffering part. Like, it's just a part of it. Peter talked about it a lot in his writings. But here's the thing, man. What have you personally experienced? What kind of cost can you describe to the listeners that, you know, being a disciple of Christ? What does that look like? Probably, you know, man, that's a great question. Probably one of the biggest things that I would say that has been a constant laying down, not just like a one-time event when I said yes to Jesus, but through the journey of being a disciple has been my reputation and having to lay down any worry or concern of what others think about me, their opinion. And that's a big one because I think our society can be so governed by the fear of man and worrying about what everybody thinks about our decisions or what we do. And I think for me, what I've seen in the last, you know, however many years I've been walking with the Lord is it's been a constant thing of laying down my reputation of what the world says or what, you know, the world expects of you. You have to lay down that reputation and just to to embrace his, uh, you know, his call for us and his way of doing things, which is so different to our world. So I'd say reputation has been a big one. Uh, you know, there's been pain of of that, a lot of it being misunderstood or you know, the pain of you have family members that don't get you or people that don't understand. And they're like, man, you're crazy. What are you doing? And you have to lay that down and just embrace uh, the life and the and the practicing of the way that he calls us to live in. Uh, so I would say that, yeah, re- reputation is a big one. Um, you know, there, there's so many different other things that, you know, even the giving to receive and, you know, just living that really giving lifestyle, not only with your finances, but with your time. So it's cost me in time. It's cost me in energy. You know, it's cost me in in our in in so many ways. If that if that helps, you know, helps everybody listening. Just those are some things that personally I've had to walk through. Amen. And you know, it's real. It's it's real life. It's what it looks like in a practical sense. And that's really what you know. Many of the listeners are looking for. Well, I hear you. I hear that. This and that. I know what the word says. I've read those passages. All those things. But what does it actually look like in a practical sense? Like in 2020. And I know people get tripped up on that. Well. You know what? This was written a long time ago. Yeah, but here's the thing, man. It's still the Word of God. It's still living and active, and it's still powerful. And you know what? The power of the testimony Amen. is amazing. And, you know, Scripture says, Revelation 12, 11, that we have overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, and not Amen. loving our lives even unto death. And that's what I'm hearing you share today. Amen. Exactly. That's so it. It just my heart all the way. You're hearing it just, yeah, laying down everything and just really embracing his will, his way. And, uh, you know, it, 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 sometimes it could look like even laying down social media. There's so many practical things, 2020, you know, Hey, maybe get off social media for a season and get in the Bible a little more, or it's just always that exchange 
of laying down something and replacing in the exchange of his life. Amen. Amen. So, Micah, thanks so much, man. I, I'm going to have to probably ask you to join us again because there's so much ground to cover. You're an author. You're you're a dad. You're a husband. You're a, a missionary. You're a pastor, per se, and all these things. But here's what I hear you saying. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, man. And that is what we need to focus on. And like you said, all that we are and all that we do, the best that we can do is to lay our crowns at his feet. Micah, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your heart today. And I just pray that the listeners are as blessed, half as blessed as we are today. And so I appreciate you joining the program. And you've been listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.